0: Welcome to the Shepherd King podcast. We exist to equip pastors and leaders in the local church to transcend beyond current culture, to see government through the lens of the gospel and engage as modeled in the scriptures. I am Leo Lazzarini. And I'm Greg Baker. Thank you for joining us for one more episode of the Shepherd King podcast. We are going through our series, Who is King Today?, and we are defining the six powers of the king and how they impact us as people and how they are important for our kings as well. In our last three episodes, we talked about the king as the lawmaker, we talked about the king as the CEO, and we also talked about the king as the head of state. Today, we'll talk about the king as the commander of armies. Greg who is the commander of armies today?
1: The United States of America, the president of the United States, is known as the commander-in-chief. The governors are known as the commander of the guard. And United Kingdom, the Queen of England, and the prime minister share the role. But in most places of the world, it's held by a prime minister today.
0: And, Greg, what do they do? What is the role of the commander of armies?
1: They're the chief general of the military. So today that includes an Air Force, a Navy, an Army. United States, we have the Marine Corps, the Coast Guard, but the entire Army they commanded. Historically you had cavalries, all those positions of the Army they would have controlled.
0: That's very good, and Greg, why do you think that power is important for the people, but also for the king?
1: One of the roles of a shepherd is a protector. A shepherd protects the people from harm. In the realm of government, the military is the main tool used to protect people from harm. A mayor has a police force at their disposal. A president has a a military. The governor has the National Guard. So you think about when floods come to a land, the governors will deploy the National Guard. The president will deploy the military sometimes during natural disasters, but also during war. And the Bibles talk about just wars, when true harm's been done to a nation, and a, a nation can protect their people by their military.
0: Greg, what are some good examples of commander of armies that we see in the scriptures, but also we see in history?
1: So there's... a. Uh, Three examples in history that I look at, one from the scriptures, one from Europe, and one from here, that are examples of generals that found their place as kings. The first is King David. Mm-hmm. King David was known as a general, as a king, and before as a king. He always heard Saul slayed his thousands and David slayed his tens of thousands. Well, Saul was the king. The king led people to war. But David was one of his trusted generals. Mm -hmm. And David would later have Joab that would command his armies for him. But David served as commander-in-chief. He's the warrior king. And to give you an idea of just how important this is to the king's heart, we have a, a time period in David's life. David overall was a great king. He was not a perfect man, but he was a righteous man. And David accomplished incredible things for the Israeli people. But David had some dark moments, and his darkest moment came during the time when he had a relationship with Bathsheba. But what's remarkable is David's denial of his position as commander in armies led to this. And we see in 2 Samuel 11, before the entire Bathsheba story starts, we hear, In the springs, when kings march out to war, David sent Joab, and his officers, in all Israel. But David remained in Jerusalem. David was delegating his role as protector. And what David was symbolizing here, that I am no longer leading as a shepherd. I'm putting my needs before yours, and you're going to serve me. And the primary role of a shepherd is to lay down their lives and serve. And that is what largely David did as a king. But in this moment, he did not. And this is revealing as a significant condition of the heart. I would call this David becoming a tyrant. A tyrant isn't always the most horrific examples in human history. A tyrant just simply says, my needs come first. You can be a tyrant in your home, too. And what David is doing, he sees this beautiful woman while he's on the roof. He says, I'm king. I should be able to have her. So he has her. And then she gets pregnant. Things didn't go according to plan. Well, as king, I get what I want. So he brings back Uriah, sleep with her, cover up my sin. And he doesn't do it, he sends him in another night, sleep with her, cover up my sin. Well, it doesn't work out in the king's favor. Well, as a tyrant, I get what I want. My needs come first. Mm. Even more than yours, Uriah, even more than the army that is dying for me where I'm supposed to be leading them, I sent them out. Even more than the army that's supposed to be dying for me. Because you said, I don't want to sleep with my wife because this army who I lead doesn't get to. Mm -hmm. I am going to kill you because I am a tyrant and my needs come first. Mm -hmm. And he killed him. David killed Uriah. He didn't do it by stabbing him. He didn't do it by beating him to death. He did it by using the powers of the king, Mm -hmm. ordering him to go out, and he told Joab to put him on the front lines and ensure death. Mm -hmm. He used his power of the king to kill him. David had become a tyrant in that moment. Mm -hmm. And... A commander of armies is the ultimate place the king can serve. Mm-hmm. It's as a protector. And God raised up David because that he was so good at this. I mean, this was his reign, but this is a class A example to understand really how important this is. We have two other very different examples in human history as well, more contemporary to our times. One is the large difference between General Napoleon Bonaparte and General George Washington. They had so many similarities and so many differences. Both of them were revolutionary generals. George Washington was the commanding general of the American forces in the American Revolution. Napoleon Bonaparte was the commanding general during the French Revolution. Both won major victories for the republics, mm-hmm. and both became national heroes and became well-known names. This is where they have in common. But here's where they differ. At the end of the American Revolution, George Washington would go into the nation's capital at that time, Annapolis, Maryland. And he would go before the Continental Congress. And he would surrender the military back to Congress, recognizing that he was a person under authority. And he would go back to his private life is George Washington knew his role. That moment was so rare in human history. They go to Annapolis, Maryland today, and their old state senate, they still commemorate that moment. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that's where the Naval Academy is located. I think of all the naval cadets that go through there, and they see, in this nation, we have a true military controlled by civilians. Mm -hmm. George Washington did that by example. He demonstrated to us a deep understanding of what a civilian military means, one that we understand today that we would not understand without him, similar to how he limited himself to two terms as CEO that one person shouldn't hold all this power. This is a huge example. But that was not the story of Napoleon Bonaparte. wasn't the story of Julius Caesar either. After their major victories, they would come home, And they'd issue a coup. And the very thing they fought for, they overturned. Caesar would overturn the Roman Republic and turn it into an empire. Napoleon Mm. Bonaparte, a so-called defender of the Republic, Mm. made himself an emperor. And Europe would go through catastrophic wars through his entire reign because his power never fed him. And I look at the significant difference between Napoleon and Washington. A good general, a good commander of armies isn't thirsty for war. Mm -hmm. They're thirsty for service. Because when you're thirsty for war, you're thirsty for power.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And the commander of armies, the greatest consequence it brings, it is the greatest place that the monarch, the king, the government can hurt the people. Government can be an incredible blessing, but it can also bring incredible atrocities. And we have seen that throughout human history and it's often through the power of commander of armies. The very thing the armies were meant to serve turns against them. And we've seen that over and over again in history. When the king gets this wrong, the people suffer. And the people aren't served, and it's godless. It's the most, This is the part where the king can be the most godless. Hmm.
0: That's so good, Craig. So helpful to understand how this specific power of the king reflects the heart as well, when you are either being a tyrant and putting your needs first, your desires first, or if you are actually laying down your life for the people, this is going to reflect in the way that you lead an army, and it will determine if it either blesses people or if it hurts the people that you are leading.
1: The commander of armies will either be a defender or an oppressor. Mm -hmm. That is the balance between the two. Mm -hmm. And a righteous commander of armies is a defender. A wicked commander of armies is an oppressor.
0: Hmm. That's a very good way to put it, Greg. Thank you so much, Greg, for talking about this power of the king, the commander of armies. We, Our heart is that these episodes are being helpful for you to understand and even identify the king wherever you are because these powers are held by the king in everywhere in the world. It just looks different in each place but our hope is that this is helpful for you and is also helpful to tie back into god's word and how we need christ in all of these roles to do well and look up to him as our ultimate shepherd king so thank you so much for joining us today please stay tuned for the next episodes on who is king today the Shepherd King podcast is brought to you by the Church Ambassador Network, a ministry of the Family Leader Foundation that inspires the church to engage government for the advance of God's kingdom. For more information about the Church Ambassador Network, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, thefamilyleader.com church.